0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: When you're a 415er, 415er, 415. er 415 415 you are all about your San Francisco 49ers. And
0: this is where you need to be for
1: news, analysis, and, and, and more and more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy.
0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Grandi. It's Evan Giddings as always. Mark, my man, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing well, Evan, back with another edition of the 415ers because it's been a uh, a busy first week of the off season for the 49ers. Of course, they're yes, looking for a defensive coordinator. There's quarterback injuries all around. You got you want uh, injury updates on all the key players. So, we've got it for you on the 415ers, sticking with you here on Thursday.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Look, we're coming at you a little bit earlier than the typical Monday, Wednesday, Friday because we felt like with Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's end of season press conference. Um, there was a few things that came out of it that we felt like were needed to be discussed. Now, some of the players will also have their end-of-season press conferences coming up. We'll, of course, dig into what the future is for a lot of those players and hope to hear from them soon. Uh, but, Mark, you know, there's a lot to kind of dive into when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and what they said, obviously, updates about Brock Purdy and his ucl tear that we found out about earlier this week uh jimmy garoppolo and his return highly unlikely in san francisco of course in the middle of the defensive coordinator search after D'Amico ryan's takes the head coaching job with the houston Texans. we'll dig into that a little more deeply at the t- episode as well and then of course the fact that there are two starting quarterbacks evidently on this roster that kyle shanahan believes in uh but the place that i want to start is is after the NFC championship, because I know everyone is, is focusing immediately down the line. There's a lot of questions about what's going to happen at the QB position. You know, where are they going to go as far as restructuring this roster, as well as the coaching staff. But the one thing that at least just stood out to me, Mark, which I didn't realize, and it turns out that Kyle Shanahan didn't realize is that after they lost the Philadelphia Eagles game, the NFC championship, he had, just realized that they had gone 98 days without losing a football game. That is pretty impressive, considering that's a little less than one third of the entire calendar year. I know we we talk about the 12 game win streak, and you know they're unbeaten when Christian McCaffrey starts. But to put that in perspective, Kyle Shanahan said frankly, like he never felt anything like that before. He didn't realize it until somebody had told him 98 straight days without a loss is nothing to scoff at.
1: That's pretty impressive. The Chiefs loss in October and then the NFC Championship loss, of course, in January against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Regardless of how the season ends, if it ends with a Super Bowl or not, that's impressive. Uh, There's been a lot of talk. I know you and I talked about it all postseason and towards the end of the regular season, the conversation of, well, who have the Niners played? The strength of schedule. You beat everyone that you play for what almost 100 straight days it doesn't matter who you're playing that's that's impressive so i think it's probably hard for a head coach someone in kyle shanahan's position to in the moment be thinking about it but you're right someone tells him after the fact and you're like wow that that, that number checks out like we haven't lost since that chiefs game in october uh incredible unfortunate that they couldn't uh, find a way to close it out and, and get to the super bowl but An incredible streak nonetheless, and uh, we'll probably look back at at that streak, Evan, as despite the fact that the season ended uh, in a frustrating way, we'll probably look back at that streak, 98 straight days without a loss, as one of the more fun and entertaining uh, stretches of Niners football in recent memory.
0: Yeah, some of the best. I mean, hopefully they can reclaim some of the magic from next from last season, this upcoming season. Uh, but it's going to be hard to top the type of roster that they had this year, yeah. in my opinion. And of course, we'll have an entire offseason to look into that. But, you know, I think a lot of it, and Kyle Shanahan has been pretty consistent with how he does not literally look ahead from week to week. And how at the end of season, you just look up and boom, a blink of an eye, everything's been gone. And then he gets hit with the 98 number. Well, a lot of that is because, Mark, obviously he had a lot to deal with this season and specifically at the quarterback position. And he talked about in his press conference, you know, having Brock Purdy and uh, and Trey Lance. So let's let's hear him and his discussion about what he thinks is coming up at the quarterback position. I know we have two starters on our team right now that I believe we can win with. So when you have that situation, you're not that eager to go looking around. Yeah, so not that eager to look around from Kyle Shanahan because Brock Purdy and Trey Lance are both in place. That tells me, one, like we were talking about yesterday, I do think that Kyle Shanahan is optimistic about Brock Purdy's elbow and him being able to have more of a repaired surgery than a reconstructive surgery. But I think it also points to, because Kyle Shanahan is the ultimate – Plan B guy, in my opinion, like he always has a safety valve, it seems, for everything as well as an answer for everything. But it does tell me, too, that there is perhaps um, I should say more belief in Trey Lance. And I think a lot of people are led to believe from this staff, considering uh, the way that his season prematurely closed in the way that people have kind of I don't want to say done a 180, but, you know, turned a little bit against Trey uh, from the preseason up until he got hurt in the way that Kyle Shanahan
1: was using it. I agree with the first part. I'm not so sure about the second part. I think Kyle Shanahan is not going to disparage one of his players, especially a young quarterback who he might need to rely on this coming season in the media. He's not going to openly do that. So, him saying, you know, we have two starting caliber quarterbacks that we think we can win with on his roster ultimately doesn't mean all that much. He's he's not going to say anything other than that in the media. I do agree with you 100% that I think the main point of this entire end-of-season press conference for both John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, Evan, is that they are optimistic on Brock Purdy's injury, that he likely will need surgery. Again, the Niners doctors are recommending that, but not the full Tommy John procedure. Instead, just a UCL repair that will get him throwing again in three months and should be ready to go on the football field. In six months, which which means he'll miss basically the entire offseason program, but should be good to go essentially at the start of training camp. So I think the main point is the Niners are optimistic at Brock Purdy's chances to have, you know, relatively close to a full training camp and be ready by week one. Beyond that, I, I think that's where I differ just a little bit. I would love to think that Kyle Shanahan in this Niners front office still has all the confidence in the world in Trey Lance but reading between the lines and and seeing how he was used this most recent season even as a rookie and I know it was mop-up duty fill in here or there and they didn't have an opportunity to to really treat him as the full-time starter and he got hurt in his fifth quarter this past season I understand all that but and we've talked that to death over you know the season I'm not so sure I feel that same confidence in Trey Lance from the Niners as I do in Brock Purdy. To me, everything Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said is Brock Purdy's injured, yes, but he will be back before the start of the season. And just look at what he did this past year. We are in good hands. I feel they are extremely confident in Brock Purdy. I'm not so sure beyond that.
0: Yeah, well, the other part of it, too, Mark, and why I feel comfortable saying that they do believe in Trey Lance. Well, one, you're right. They're not going to come out and say flatly, hey, we do or we don't. They're not going to show <laughs> their hand in that sense. But the other part of it, too, is, of course, the piece of sound that we heard from Kyle Shanahan concerning the QB, two from this last season. And that is none other than Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: scenario which you guys could see Jimmy being back. And if so, what would that
0: look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. Yeah, I think that's about as definitive as Kyle Shanahan put it. I don't see any scenario. Last year, apparently, there was one scenario in which Jimmy Garoppolo could come back, and he did to restructure his deal, become the backup, and then the starter in San Francisco. But there is no way that Jimmy Garoppolo will be back this next season, according to Kyle Shanahan. That's the other reason, Mark, why I do think that there is a little more confidence in Trey Lance because if there's one thing we've learned from this season you can never have too many quarterbacks too many starting caliber quarterbacks on your roster and a Kyle Shanahan and John Lance truly were out on Trey Lance I do think that there would be some hint of, well, if Jimmy Garoppolo is not coming back, we will be looking outside of the organization or something along the lines of, we'll be keeping our options open. We're going to be talking to different places. We want to try and fortify the position as best we can as to avoid another calamity like we saw in the NFC Championship.
1: Yeah, you you saying uh, there was one scenario last offseason, it just reminded me uh, in that moment, Kyle Shanahan's like uh, Doctor Strange in yeah, an right. Avengers Infinity War, where he, he runs through all of the possible scenarios in all of the universes and realizes there's only one way in which the Avengers can beat Thanos. And of course, it comes true. And of course, it came true for the 49ers last offseason. My my first thought when, when I heard this uh, clip about Jimmy Garoppolo, Evan, is, well... Did you not learn from last season? Because you said essentially the same exact thing a year ago. Jimmy Garoppolo, a year ago, on the 1st of February, said, and I quote, see ya. He he thanked the 49ers fans. He said, this has been a great ride, but we're ready for the next chapter. We're going to work together and find a trade partner. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. All I'm saying is I think it's a little more likely than Kyle Shanahan is letting on. Did they not learn from what happened last offseason? Because you never know what could happen again this offseason. Now, I know it's a little different because he's not even under contract right now. He was last offseason. He is a free agent this offseason, of course. So it it would take more than just no other interest. It would also take their interest in him enough to sign him. Uh, But Evan, at the quarterback position for the 49ers, I'm not ready to rule anything out.
0: Which sounds like, My sentiment towards Tom Brady in our last episode. So how about this? I will take Tom Brady's return as a 1%. You can take Jimmy Garoppolo's return to San Francisco as a 1%. We'll keep it at
1: that. Sounds good.
0: But the the other part of it, Mark, is too, and you're right. Jimmy Garoppolo did come out and pretty much, I thought, burned the bridge last end-of-season press conference heading into the offseason. But the one thing we didn't hear was Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch officially say that it was over. And that, to me, what is what made Garoppolo's comments so surprising, actually, is because, if you remember, Lynch and Shanahan spoke before. Actually, I think I think it was Lynch that spoke before. And, of course, the question about Jimmy turns up, and John Lynch is, plays it pretty much down the middle. He just hits it right down the fairway and says, you know, we're... You know, we're going to try and do right by Jimmy. We're obviously, you know, we love him and we're going to try and do everything we can to position him for success, but nothing along the lines of, I don't see any scenario in which he returns. And then Jimmy Garoppolo walks to the stage and says, see ya, I'm out. So this year to me, even though, yes, you're right. The one scenario that we saw last off season technically could play it safe, itself out in a different fashion this year. I didn't see the type of definitive statement from the front office last year that I did this season. That's why I think Jimmy Garoppolo is gone.
1: Yeah. Again, you're, you're probably right. Uh, It is just, and you're probably
0: right about Brady.
1: Yeah, but it it is interesting. I mean, I, I do think that there is a world Evan in which unfortunately for whatever reason, Brock Purdy's injury uh, is a little more serious than they think. Maybe he misses training camp. Maybe he's not ready at the start of the season, and the Niners are just unwilling to turn to Trey Lance because of what I said a few minutes ago. They're still not totally confident in him and they know how good their roster is and they don't want to risk, you know, suffering some losses early in the season. And they say, well, what's a good stopgap option? And it might be Jimmy Garoppolo. It might be a, a different veteran quarterback. But of course, as as we just heard earlier from Kyle Shanahan, they said, they already have two starting quarterbacks and there's not really much reason for them to go and target a veteran quarterback out there uh, on the free agency market because you, you feel good about your two quarterbacks. Again, I, I'm not so sure I agree or or believe them 100%, but if that's what they're saying, then I mean they can't go against their word now uh, because what is that going to do to Trey Lance? I don't know. I, I just feel like there is a situation where they might have talked themselves into a bit of a corner. If the Brock Purdy injury doesn't go as smoothly, the recovery that it doesn't go as smoothly as they say, and then what do they do at that point?
0: Yeah, you're right. I also felt like they kind of talked themselves into a corner last year, but things just played out in their favor. Yeah. And as much as Kyle Shanahan, don't get me wrong, has gotten very unlucky as head coach when it comes to quarterbacks. Last year, he also did get kind of lucky, as we saw, because yes. in the NFC Championship game, when you lost your quarterback, which you already had two previous times, uh, the team folded. So, again, I do think that Kyle Shanahan has had some um, happenstance you know, luck fall his way, as well as some of the things not. But it is interesting, Mark, because there was kind of a, a testy back and forth at the tail end of the end of season press conference yesterday which Kyle Shanahan was sort of asked about that and and to me it's a question that has to be asked although it's not one that's necessarily fair i don't know if the questions in here if not we'll we'll save for you on the other okay so it's not in there but essentially the question was about his four quarterbacks and them getting hurt and what happened Kyle
1: yeah, the, the question was specifically, do you have any hesitation about your play calling because your quarterbacks continue to get hurt? And, and here's what he said.
0: When you ask that question, that way I understand, but I think if you looked at the injuries, common sense would answer that question. I mean, how have they gotten hurt? I mean, I'm sorry, Josh got a concussion when he hit the ground. So that's the fourth one you're talking about. I'm sorry, our quarterback got his elbow bent backwards on a normal drop back pass. I'm sorry, on a drop back pass, someone rolled up on Jimmy's ankle. And then we have a dual threat quarterback who got hurt running the ball. So to throw all those four in that category, no, no quarterbacks got hurt when we had to hand it off the whole second half. So we can look into that.
1: <laughs> that is
0: peak Kyle Shanahan. Mark.
1: Uh, the best part of that whole press conference, if you're watching it, if you haven't, you know, go find it on YouTube or whatever. Um, uh, John Lynch's smirk in the middle of Kyle Shanahan's answer. He's just, you can hear what he's thinking to that poor reporter. Oh, you barked up the wrong tree. My guy, Kyle Shanahan does not appreciate those questions.
0: No, but it's a question that has to be asked. Like, and, and and I do appreciate, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't have the name of the media member that asked the question, but that is a question that has been on everyone's mind for a long time. And so even though we, I think we both agree, like it is at face value, an unfair question. Like, how are you supposed to answer? Hey, do you think you need to adjust your play calling? Cause you got four quarterbacks hurt this year. Like that itself sounds like a terrible question, but as we've also discussed the quarterback position in San Francisco and the revolving door that it has been, you know, is it a trend? Is it unlucky? It, 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 does Kyle Shanahan play a part at all? all in it and so that's a question that I, I appreciate being asked even though I'm sure the guy just felt like well F me right okay Kyle Shanahan <laughs> is just gonna sit here and make make a fool out of my question and turn it back on me and only how Kyle Shanahan can
1: yeah and the there was an earlier question I don't know if it was the one directly before this or, or a couple before it uh, where John Lynch was asked about injuries of the quarterback position and you know, is it something that you feel like you need to find an answer to? Is it anything you're doing? And and John Lynch, you know, answered it as calmly and, and smoothly as ever. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I was hurt the first handful of years of my career, and then I didn't miss a snap for like almost a decade. Like sometimes this thing, these things just happen. I think it's more so a coincidence than anything else, but you know, we've looked into everything and we'll continue to look into it. Just the most, as you said earlier, middle of the fairway answer. It's it's classic John Lynch. And then not the same question, but a similar question, more directed at Kyle Shanahan and the way it's asked, you can, you can kind of feel like, Hey, do you feel any blame for these injuries? It's it's more so than just, this is happening. It's more so, are you responsible for this? Um, but you can just tell how, how different these two personalities are because Kyle Shanahan was uh, so eager, not necessarily to to defend himself, but just dispel any rumors um, that he's at, at any fault here. And ultimately I understand his frustration. One, his quarterbacks continue to get hurt. That is frustrating by itself, but two, uh, then you have to to answer questions like these about if it's your fault that your quarterbacks are getting hurt and uh, it's just kind of a, the cherry on top of a, of a frustrating situation for Kyle Shanahan. So I understand both sides the reporter asking the question, Kyle Shanahan getting a little bit frustrated, Uh, But but John Lynch certainly uh, handled his his other question a little bit smoother than than Kyle Shanahan did.
0: Yeah. Which one uh, played in the NFL? That that to me is where that comes down to. One has done a lot more, (laughs) again, down the middle interviews than the other. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network on 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, follow him on social at Mark Randy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Uh, Evan Giddings, you can follow me on social at eGiddings10 at 415ers across all social media platforms. Download, rate, subscribe. Five stars are appreciated. Okay, Mark. Yesterday, we did see at the end of season press conference <laughs> the yin and the yang of the front office, right? <laughs> we saw John Lynch, who is... All smiles, the Stanford man, and, and and the the face in many ways of the, the culture and the brand and the organization in San Francisco. We also saw Kyle Shanahan and, and in my opinion, Peak Kyle. We saw that feistiness and frustration from another, you know, season that comes to an end prematurely in his mind, even though he has been to three of the last four NFC title games, two of which ending in losses. But of course, the 49ers will not be targeting, according to Kyle Shanahan, a veteran a veteran starting quarterback this offseason. With the news of Tom Brady earlier in the day coming down about his retirement, were you still, I guess, surprised to hear that there was no hint of looking outside the quarterback room?
1: I was a little surprised. I, I think they will go and sign someone. It's just uh it'll not likely be a starting caliber quarterback Uh, again. It seems that they're super confident in in Brock Purdy's uh, timeline to return to play and and be good to go for the start of the regular season. And I think they're totally confident with Brock Purdy as their team's starting quarterback. And uh, you know, I think they're okay with Trey Lance as a backup, Uh, but you're not going into a season with just two quarterbacks. So them saying they're not targeting a veteran quarterback, you have to include the, the veteran starting quarterback in there because that, that's what they said. They're probably gonna go out and sign someone uh t- to be a, a backup or a third string quarterback, but they're they're not gonna target someone that, that they think would start for them week one. Of course things can change and this Niners quarterback situation is ever evolving. Um I I'm not surprised necessarily that they they came out and, and said what they said. Um, because what else are they going to say? And and they don't want to hurt you know, anyone inside their locker room. Uh, But I I do think that there is a, a very realistic scenario that plays out where the Niners, at the very least, Evan, they feel a little uncomfortable with their quarterback situation, and they feel like they might need to do something. Now, whether or not they act on that or not, or perhaps they just wait for Brock Purdy to come back, I don't know. But I do feel like, I'll put it this way. The Niners made it seem like their quarterback situation was, you know, all rainbows and sunshine. It was, is great. No issues, but they have a rookie seventh round quarterback with a torn UCL. And they have a third year quarterback who hasn't played much at all, who they traded three first round picks for, who just had double two procedures on his ankle. That is not a good quarterback situation. Anyway, you slice it. There's a very real possibility that, that Brock Purdy is fine and he, and he has a full training camp and he plays week one, but right now, Evan in a vacuum, this is a really bad quarterback situation. There would be few teams that would trade for this quarterback situation right now. Again, things can work out and they could be fine by the time the regular season starts, but this is not the quarterback situation. The Niners would want to be in and they made it seem like it's, it's all perfectly fine at this point.
0: That, that gets my mind work and mark racing so to speak and it does create a a hypothetical question that I, i i think you would enjoy i think the listeners would enjoy as well as well as the viewers on youtube um which quarterback room would you rather have the 2020 in in pending 2023 quarterback room as it stands right now or the quarterback room coming off of the 2019 super
1: bowl (laughs) <laughs> so coming off the 2019 Super Bowl, Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo yeah. had his best year of his career, but did. ultimately didn't do much in the postseason. He did. And uh, no. did not not, and <laughs> not really his fault. The first two games, considering the Niners just ran the hell out of the ball and they didn't, didn't let lead. him
0: attack Mark. They didn't You're right. unleash Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: You're right. And then he didn't have the best Super Bowl, uh, yeah. of course, missing Emmanuel Sanders, which will go down is one of the most painful plays in. Niners okay, wh- All right.
0: I actually. All right. I understand that play and why people are so frustrated with it. To me, the more damning throw of that game, maybe this is revisionist history, but it always bothers me because I do hear that play brought up all the time for the 2019 Super Bowl. And, And this isn't about you as much as it's about 49ers fans. To me, the most damning play of that game for Jimmy Garoppolo was not overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders but it was throwing the ball with his eyes closed on the final drive of the fourth quarter. <laughs> that to me tells me that the quarterback is not ready for the moment as opposed to overthrow. Like we saw Jalen hurts, miss AJ Brown on a go route. That would have been an easy seven points at, in the NFC championship game. Anytime you throw the ball with your eyes closed, I don't want you on the field as a quarterback. That's just me. And I I apologize for kind of steering this in a different direction.
1: To uh, either confirm or deny if that was a worst mistake, I would have to go and rewatch. And I'll be honest with you, I have not rewatched that Super Bowl. And I don't really ever plan on doing that. I'll so go back I, and report. So I will plead ignorance or I will just accept your answer. Uh, Jimmy, that was the worst throw of the Super Bowl. How could you? Um, I don't know, Evan, You, if you... It's really difficult to forget everything that's happened since then, but if you were to be able to travel back in time just after the Super Bowl and ask me uh, and still knowing everything we know about Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, but not what has happened with Jimmy Garoppolo over the season since, I might take twenty nineteen as as crazy as that sounds because you have a quarterback who's healthy, who's coming off of a season where he was fully healthy, who's coming off his career best season. And remember, you, you could have thought in the moment that that was the worst, the, the bad decision, the wrong decision, but they chose Jimmy Garoppolo over Tom Brady that offseason. The Niners, I think, certainly would take that 2019 quarterback situation over this one. And if if Trey Lance and Brock Purdy were, were fully healthy, um, I, I might change my decision there. But considering the fact that both of them have injuries right now, I, I think I got to go with Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the 2019 season.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, because to me, it comes down to stability. But I also do believe that the question depends mostly on how much you believe in Trey Lance, because yeah. optimistically, Brock Purdy will be back in six months or you know, close to 100% in six months if he is not. And I think there's a greater chance of that than it sounds like Mark does. But regardless... Trey Lance might be forced into action at some point this season. And and the way that quarterbacks have played out in San Francisco, odds are better than none that he will have to do so. So at some point, it does appear that Trey Lance is going to get a a shot to start for the 49ers. At least that's how, how I see things playing out. If you believe that Trey Lance is maybe not the guy, but can be serviceable, can take care of the football, can be a cog in the machine that Kyle Shanahan has created on offense and now has Christian McCaffrey, who he didn't get to play with this last year, then I understand maybe you saying, all right, the 2023 upcoming quarterback room gives you more confidence than the one from 2019 because you believe in the upside of Trey Lance and Brock Purdy as opposed to what you saw from Jimmy Garoppolo, especially like you mentioned in that postseason run. But I myself am one to err on the side of security, and coming off that that Super Bowl, there was nothing more secure in a lot of people's minds than Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers' chance to get back to the Super Bowl in 2020, which, of course, didn't happen. So I'm with you on which room I'd take, but, I mean, the question to me is going to come down to which Trey Lance... Walks into OTAs because again, he no matter what happens to Brock Purdy, whether it's six months, whether it's twelve months or longer, Trey Lance is going to have the leg up come OTAs because he is going to be healthy. He is going to have first crack at at least impressing the rest of the team, the rest of the staff before Brock Purdy returns to the fold whenever that happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, regardless of what happens with uh, Brock Purdy's recovery, Evan, if it is six months. If it is, is longer, regardless, Trey Lance has a huge opportunity this offseason. He's going to be the only quarterback that can work out for the 49ers, you know, that can work work out at all, that is under contract for the 49ers, assuming that they don't go and get any starting caliber quarterback uh, all offseason until training camp starts. He's going to be the only, you know, major guy competing in OTAs, all levels of OTAs. He's going to be the only guy that can hit the field with Brandon Ayuk for much of the offseason, with with Debo Samuel, with with Juwan Jennings, with anyone, with George Kittle if he wants to. I know Kittle does a lot of his his offseason training, I think, in, in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, well, I'm last sure. year there was
0: a lot of reports that Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance had created yeah. great chemistry in the offseason.
1: So, I mean, this is an opportunity for Trey Lance to get better, prove himself to his teammates, prove himself to his coaching staff, and even if Brock Purdy is back for the start of training camp, perhaps those six months where Brock Purdy was unable to work out with his teammates while while Trey Lance was, Evan, perhaps we see a shift in how the Niners evaluate their two quarterbacks. So this is a huge opportunity for Trey Lance, regardless of Brock Purdy's timeline. Trey Lance has a fantastic opportunity to, again, kind of change the, the narrative around his game and his career and how Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and the rest of the Niners feel about him because he has a six-month head start this offseason. And if he wants to get his career back on track, Evan, if he doesn't want to be supplanted by a seventh-round Mr. Irrelevant quarterback who was drafted two years after him, he has to have a fantastic six months. Not saying, I think it's going to happen, but these six months are incredibly important for Trey Lance.
0: Yeah, they're important to restore, you know, whatever balance was there, whatever confidence was there prior to this season, and you know, by by all accounts, it wasn't just you know the the injury. I think that or the the way that he was used that gave people, you know, sort of pause. But um, I also think that I mean Trey Lance right now is in, is in a fragile place in his career. I mean, it's his going on his third season. He's got one more year left on his rookie deal. And if he wants to have a chance to play, like he needs to prove it in practice in the off season. And in the places where frankly, Kyle Shanahan demands you to be as close to 100% as possible. Like that's the reason why Brock Purdy beat out Nate Sudfeld is because of what he did on the practice field, because of what he did in the off season, not because of, you know, his preseason performances. So, or, or the few opportunities he was given, like, Brock Purdy came in, did the work as much as anybody else, but then showed Kyle Shanahan he was ready for the job if the job came to him, which it eventually did. Um, and I also know that there's some other things you wanted to, to touch on from the press conference before we we switch gears more.
1: Yeah, really good point about Purdy and Sudfeld. Um, I know we got to get to D'Amico Ryans in a second, but one other thing I observed from the, the press conference between uh, Lance and Shanahan, Evan, is just the dynamic between the two. I know we, we touched on it just uh, yeah, a little Lynch. bit.
0: Lynch and Shanahan.
1: Oh yeah. Lynch and Shanahan. Yeah. My bad. Uh, so at one point Lynch was asked, cause there's been rumors about him going to television and last year, Amazon executives approached him. He was asked, do you feel like you're going to be the, the general manager this coming season? And, and here's how Lynch answered that. I, I think so. You, you good. Kyle? <laughs> no, I, I plan on being here. I really do. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm committed to doing this and I'm, I'm having a great time doing it. And, uh, you know, committed to finding a way to get a little bit better. Uh, I'm real proud of what we were able to do this year. Uh, That's hard to say because our, our expectations and our standards were to win the whole thing. So John Lynch asked if he'll be the general manager this coming season. The first thing he does, I know it was kind of in jest and he was joking and laughing. The first thing he does is turn to his head coach and say, we good? As if Kyle Shanahan has the power to kick him out or to fire him or to to, you know, talk to superiors and say, hey, I'm done with John Lynch. Uh, That's not how most general manager head coach relationships go. That was just one look into their relationship, Evan. There was countless other questions asked about personnel, asked about coaches, asked about anything. Guess who immediately jumped in to answer every single one of those questions? Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, not the general manager, John Lynch. I know we joke a lot about how Kyle Shanahan is really the general manager and the head coach. Um, But if you need any proof of how much power Kyle Shanahan has and perhaps the power he holds over John Lynch, just go back and watch that press conference because he handles just about every question that every other general manager would across the NFL.
0: Oh, number one, John Lynch. How many cliches can you fit into a sentence? Like it's (laughs) honestly impressive. Like again, that's how you know this guy played in the NFL because he has answered. I would imagine he would. He has used those answers for about seventeen thousand different press conferences, media Uh. appearances, speeches. Like that's why John Lynch is, in many ways, the face of the front office more than actually being the brain of the front office. And that, to me, is what you're talking about. Of what we saw right there, you saw the face. Identify with the brain, and throughout the entire <laughs> press conference, it was just a back and forth, a ping-pong between oh, what is um you know publicly going to be stated, and then what more so is actually going on between John Lynch and Kyle Shannon. But I also think that's why the relationship works really well because there's a mutual understanding of of the power dynamic within that building and both are comfortable with it and both are comfortable with each other. I don't think we've ever seen any form of tension, at least publicly between the two sides. And it sounds like behind closed doors, they work in a fashion that is good for both. And the reason why John Lynch feels comfortable saying, yeah, I'll be back. I I love being a part of this organization. I have no problem with taking less or more off of my plate and taking less work to go do TV, which by the way, he's very good at. And, also being willing to work with a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who, as I'm sure people have, um, you know, observed his his chippiness in press conferences. Well, how do you think he's like behind closed doors? I mean, there there is uh, an Instagram live video this week of impending free agent and safety, Jimmy Ward, yep. who came out and talked about how Kyle Shanahan essentially gave him an ultimatum when he switched positions earlier this year. And remember, we talked about that, Mark, and how this is kind of the cutthroat business of football. Well, Kyle Shanahan evidently asked Jimmy Ward, essentially, would you rather play the the slot corner position? Would you rather be our nickel guy? Or would you rather ride the bench? That is the Kyle Shanahan that is responsible for 13 wins this year, as well as also the Kyle Shanahan that's responsible for being the brain.
1: Yep. Well said and. I'm mostly poking fun. There is a lot of truth to it. We're probably overstating it just a little bit. It's <laughs> probably more of a 50 50 split, uh, maybe close to it. I don't know. You kind of get the sense. Are you
0: doing your John Lynch right now,
1: Mark? Yeah, I'm I'm trying my best. Uh, you kind of get the <laughs> sense when you hear people talk about it, that it is, it's all Kyle Shanahan. I, I'm sure John Lynch has a gigantic voice in that front office, but Kyle, there's no doubt Kyle Shanahan certainly has more responsibilities than than most head coaches that don't in their contract uh, have it stipulated that they have full roster control. So, uh, yes, it is interesting. It, it's always fun to to kind of see how that relationship works. And we got to we got a peek into it on Wednesday
0: that we did. And this is a peek into the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Mark, let's get to the... I mean, really, I know even though the press conference was about the two quarterbacks, the end of the season, I mean, the biggest move that has happened so far in San Francisco has been D'Amico Ryans taking a six-year deal for Adam Schefter of ESPN to become the Texans' new head coach. and. Now the 49ers are left without a defensive coordinator once again. And, you know, Robert Sala goes to the Jets a few years back. Mike McDaniel goes from being the offensive coordinator, but over to Miami last offseason. Now they lose another head coordinator in D'Amico Ryans and a very good one that's responsible for the number one defense in the NFL. Um, I think we weren't surprised with the news, but it will have ripple effects.
1: It will. Uh, So D'Amico Ryan's gone. The last time the Niners had to replace the defensive coordinator, as you said, they were able to promote from within with D'Amico Ryan's. That's when Robert Salah left to become the the coach of the jets. I think in a perfect world, Evan, Kyle Shanahan wants to do that again. He wants to promote from within, Uh, but his cabinets becoming a little bit bare because there have been so many coaches over the last handful of years under Kyle Shanahan that have left. Uh, He has a, a relatively large coaching tree now, if you will, despite only being a head coach for a handful of years. Um, So it seems to me, Evan, and and based on the fact that they are taking a, a number, multiple outside defensive coordinator interviews, that they don't feel comfortable hiring anyone, promoting anyone from within at this point. Now, maybe in a couple of years that changes, but it doesn't seem like that's in the cards right now. And then, of course, the news of the morning across the NFL here as we record this on Thursday is that Vic Fangio has accepted the defensive coordinator position for the Miami Dolphins to join Mike McDaniel, uh, Kyle Shanahan's former protege. So uh, Vic Fangio was widely you know, considered the, the number one defensive mind out there on the open market. Of course, he's a former Niners DC from the Jim Harbaugh era who's been around but has been very good wherever he's been. So now where do the Niners go outside of Vic Fangio? Uh, Steve Wilkes is an option. He was most recently the interim head coach of the Panthers, who helped turn them around after they let go of Matt Rule and traded Christian McCaffrey and a couple of other players. They were good at the end of the year, led by Steve Wilkes, but they decided to let him go. Uh, So he's out there on the open market. There are a couple of other names to keep an eye on, Evan, but it seems to me like Steve Wilkes is is probably the number one target for the 49ers at this point. Something that's interesting to keep in mind, though, is that Kyle Shanahan said in that press conference we're talking about on Wednesday, when asked about what he's looking for in a defensive coordinator, he said, well, we want to keep our scheme uh, and we want to keep a lot of our defensive staff. So you're going to have to find someone who either is willing to change his scheme and fit your mold or someone that already fits your mold. So that kind of limits what you're looking for. And there's a very realistic possibility that the Niners were ready to get Vic Fangio and Vic Fangio was willing to come, but he did not want to change his scheme to make it fit what the Niners want to do. Because Kyle Shanahan said the players that we currently have, uh, they're great for this scheme that we run. We need to keep this scheme together. So perhaps there was a little bit of butting of heads there. Regardless of the reason Vic Fangio is not coming to San Francisco, it still leaves a few options. But considering what exactly Shanahan wants and the fact that he doesn't feel like he can promote from within, the options are just a little bit slim for the 49ers.
0: Yeah, and look, I don't really blame him for not wanting to change his scheme. I mean, he's had one of the best defensive units over the last half decade, and obviously Robert Sala is a huge part of that. D'Amico Ryan's a massive part of that as well, especially this season. Uh, But Mark, it also continues a trend for the 49ers of promoting and getting minority coaches hired at the highest level. And that's something that has now rewarded them with this upcoming offseason. Five compensatory third-round picks, the most of any team in the NFL. So, look, this rule of you know, compensation being handed out for minority coaches being promoted to, you know head coaching jobs or being um, hired for head coaching jobs, I should say, is a relatively new rule and added to the Rooney rule, which of course requires teams to, um, you know, interview at least one minority candidate for general managers positions, head coaching positions. Uh, I believe right now, and the 49ers also have another from within that was hired as a general manager in Tennessee, Ron Carthen being that guy Uh, they have now contributed to three different head coaching positions in the NFL filled by minorities, as well as one of the, I believe seven general managers spots being held by minority candidates. So Mark, the 49ers are not only, you know, from Kyle Shanahan's perspective, creating a large coaching tree around the NFL, but they are also contributing to a, uh, progression towards, you know, the NFL is close to 60% black. The Obviously the head coaches are nowhere near that. Now they've been trending in the right direction. They were at three a couple of years ago. They are now up to five. There's still two vacancies this year, uh, but also the general managers has grown as well. Um, So the 49ers have been able to aid not only the, the search for a lot of head coaches and, you know, vacancies, uh, but also promoting, of course, progression in the game of football in which there's been a large lack of especially in recent years.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. Um and you know for the the, the larger uh I don't know, the, the larger issue of lack of representation among minorities in those leadership positions, it's it's fantastic that the 49ers are able to kind of be a launching point for some of those careers and for, you know, steps up the ladder. Uh, but but you look a little more selfishly at what it means for the 49ers, Evan. Of course, you, you love to see your people succeed, and that's huge. Uh, but for the 49ers, who have traded a lot of picks recently to get Trey Lance, to get Christian McCaffrey, to get others, uh, they're replenishing their draft room as well. I mean, now they don't have picks in the first or second round, but they have three third round picks. They have three fifth round picks. They have three seventh round picks who knows maybe they they find the next brock Purdy as well and they've had a lot of success in those middle rounds of drafts so while they don't have those those top end picks for this coming year uh because of their success and because of you know their staff members success elsewhere they are getting uh a lot of compensatory draft picks which helps them out greatly as they head into the off season and, and in future off seasons as well so uh, multiple benefits uh, to, to this for the 49ers. It's, as you said earlier, the fact that they are, uh, you know, creating and helping create these opportunities. Uh, obviously, it's it's the individuals themselves, but they're helping be be a launching pad for these steps up, you know, in the NFL ladder. But they're also helping themselves uh, by developing good people and they're getting draft picks in return. So uh, it, good news all the way around for the 49ers. You, you obviously hate to lose quality people. Uh, But you want to see them succeed, and and the Niners are being compensated in the sense that they are getting some really uh, helpful draft picks in return. So we'll see what they can do with it. But, of course, uh, you'd rather have those picks than not.
0: Well, and this is the other part of it, too, is, look, the 49ers, in a league that has struggled with representation at the head coaching and in the front office level, 49ers have been more a part of the solution than the problem in recent years and i believe that look the comp- the compensation is great there were 10 picks this year doled out based on the the added rule added rooney rule as far as compensation goes the 49ers got half of those picks <laughs> and that's not just because ron Carthon gets hired in tennessee to be the new general manager that's because in 2020 Martin Mayshew becomes the general manager in Washington because obviously Robert Sala becomes the head coach in New York because Mike McDaniel becomes the head coach in Miami. Now D'Amico Ryans becomes the head coach in Houston. And of course, you know, Katie Sowers who became the first female assistant coach with the San Francisco 49ers. I believe she's in college now, but The 49ers have been a part of the solution and not the problem. And I would offer this to the NFL. Look, a couple of years ago, there were three minority head coaches in the NFL. Now there are five. There are two vacancies this offseason in Indianapolis and Arizona. Let's get that number to at least six. And there are candidates that are deserving of which, including D'Amico Ryans, who got his opportunity. But not just Eric Biennemi, which is the name that is floated around often, even though Doug Peterson uh, as well as um, another assistant head coach that became a head coach under Andy Reed have had opportunities prior to Eric Bieniemy, but a guy like Leslie Frazier who has previous head coaching experience mm. from 2011 to 13 with the Minnesota Vikings and led a top five defensive group in Buffalo for most of the season. Those are candidates that deserve opportunities for a head coaching job to bump that number from five to six. And again, it's still not good enough. Look, The new minority rule was only enacted in 2022, needing at least one female or minority assistant head coach on the offensive side of the football. So this is something that is relatively new that will continue, hopefully, to get better. But credit to the 49ers being a part, again, of the solution and not the problem, which is a lack of representation around the league at the head coaching and front office level.
1: Yeah, they're certainly leading the way uh, in that regard, and it's it's fantastic to see because you're right for a league that is, uh, you know, majority African American uh, and and you know other creeds and and nationalities. Uh, it's not certainly represented that way. The head coaching ranks, the general manager ranks, and certainly not, unfortunately, at, at the you know front office level either. So, uh, the Niners are certainly doing their part uh of course it it helps to just have fantastic people and the Niners seem to be churning out fantastic people year in and year out and uh we certainly wish the best for D'Amico Ryans like we've wished wished the best for every uh, everyone else that has come out of the Niners organization and has done I mean pretty good things I mean look at what Robert Sala has done in just a couple of years as the head coach of the Jets not a playoff appearance yet but they are starting to turn the corner they were really competitive this past season with One of the weirdest, maybe one of the worst quarterback rooms in the NFL, and and they were right there for much of the season. Mike McDaniel, in his first year as head coach of of the Dolphins, I mean, for the first 10 weeks of the year, if not a little bit more, 12 weeks of the year, he was, you know, perhaps going to win coach of the year in his first year as a head coach. Of course, things took a turn when Tua Tagovailoa suffered another head injury, and and they fell, you know, deeply, deeply down the, the ranks. Of course, they still made the playoffs and almost upset the Bills. But fantastic first year for Mike McDaniel. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is certainly going to have a big challenge in Houston. I think, like I said at the end of our, our last episode, Evan, on, on Wednesday, he signed a six-year deal. I hope the Texans give him at least four years. I really hope they do. They have They have proven in the past that they will move on quickly. Uh, but they should give D'Amico Ryans a long time to try to figure this thing out because they're not in a good spot right now. It's not going to be a one-year turnaround. If it is, then D'Amico Ryans is going to be one of the greatest head coaches of all time. If he can turn that around in one season, Uh, I hope they give him a fair shake and a real chance to try to turn the Texans around uh, because he deserves that chance. And uh, we'll certainly be rooting for him from afar. Uh, But you're right. The Niners have, have, uh, been and they played a big role in trying to further along that progress of of you know seeing minorities succeed at the high levels of this league, uh, which we haven't seen a lot of. So kudos to the 49ers, kudos to all the good people uh, who have come in and out of the 49ers organization or having success elsewhere. It's great to see.
0: Yeah, the 49ers continue to churn out quality candidates. Big tip of the cap to D'Amico Ryans, who is a big part of the success this year and in previous years for the 49ers here in San Francisco. We will continue to churn out episodes here on the 415ers, but that will do it for this edition. Mark, my man, thank you very much. And uh, I know we're going to have to figure out the schedule moving forward here in the offseason, but I think Monday will be our next episode, so I look forward to taping it then.
1: Yeah, tap in uh, Monday morning. On your way to work, we'll be uh, here with another edition of the 415ers.
0: Yes sir. All right, you've been listening to the 415ers on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network brought to you by 957 The Game. Mark Randy ever getting signing off. Enjoy your weekend.